0: Well hey there everybody. This is the Author Revolution Podcast, and I'm your host, international best selling indie author Carissa Andrews. So holy moly, I can hardly believe it, but today marks our 20th podcast episode. That's five whole months worth of writerly content, guys. Craziness. So when I first started Author Revolutions podcast, I wasn't quite sure how I'd like creating content this way. I've been, you know, more of a writer. For pretty much everything that I do, but I have to tell you, I absolutely adore it. Here's to another 20 episodes and well beyond. So anywho, today I wanted to jump into a conversation about launches, book launches, and in particular, when they don't go as well as you'd hoped. So last week, not one, but two of my author friends had new book launches that didn't go as well as they'd hoped that they would. And both of them were feeling a little worse for wear, I guess, a little under the weather about it. See, as authors, we put our blood, sweat, and tears into the whole concept of our new creation, whether it be all the time that we spend writing it or the whole process of trying to get it out into the world. Now, it doesn't mean that we bleed for our words every time, but they certainly do take a certain amount of essence and talent to come to fruition. When it takes months and months to accomplish the whole thing from start to finish, only to end with kind of lackluster results, it can be really discouraging. Here's the thing. I think many of us, we've kind of been brought into this magical myth mindset that if you write it, readers will come and overnight success will follow. I can so totally relate. When I wrote Pandamus, I was 100% certain it was going to be the next Twilight or Hunger Games. When it launched to okay results, nothing spectacular, I mean. I attribute it pretty much to the first book, First-Time Author Syndrome. Plus, the whole series wasn't out yet. In part, I guess I was kind of right. Because when I finally launched Polarities and Revolutions, Pandamus did go to number one international bestseller on Amazon. But look, guys, that's just a tag. That's all it is. It still didn't earn me the big bucks that I'd envisioned even after that. I mean, come on, it was going to be the next Twilight, right? Or Harry Potter? Now I'm going to let you in on a secret. In the past, I had this little thought in the back of my mind, and maybe you've had it too, that this next book, this is going to be the one. It will be the title that finally launches my career as an author and catapults my sales and my page reads into the stratosphere. And then, womp womp. Okay, well, maybe not a complete lackluster, but in comparison to my expectations, totally a dud. I'd always go away from a launch day feeling kind of, meh, like, why aren't my author friends sharing this or as excited about it as I am? Or why aren't readers latching onto it the way that I hope that they would or whatever the case might be? So you kind of end the day like with this big expectation only to kind of, I don't know, feel like, do I need to like go to the bar? <laughs> I felt that way for Oracle, for Awakening, and certainly for Playing With Fire last year. But I think that that title was the one that finally broke the camel's back on my expectations. At least I'd like to think so. Well, says the woman trying to hit New York Times bestseller list in 2020 with Secret Legacy. Oh man, who am I kidding? It's going to be the same deal in September, but whatever. It's all relative. When I have a book launch that drops me into the 5k to 10k range of all of Amazon, I am pretty damn thrilled about that. But I have author friends who reach that status and think, wow, this launch really blew. I won't be writing in that series again. It is now dead to me. And I have other friends who feel that if they don't make a certain dollar amount, the launch was a total bust. What my romance writer friends make in a month compared to my monthly royalties are so vastly different that if I measured myself to their expectations, I would have closed up shop years ago. Now I write urban fantasy and supernatural paranormal suspense. As much as I'd like to think it was as popular as romance, the truth of the matter is it will never beat out sex, plain and simple. So the point of this is, the metrics you measure are relative to your own expectations. If you were disappointed with the results from your last launch, you really have a few choices to consider. Number one, do you just give up? Do you cut the series or even an entire pen name loose? Now, this is a viable option for many people, and maybe even you. There is no judgment here if it is you either. Everyone walks a different path. There's a very good chance that you'll write in a different genre under a completely different name and come out ahead. In fact, one of my writerly friends did this. T.S. Welty was writing in YA science fiction fantasy like I was back in 2010-2011. She was actually one of my critique partners and one of the first people to ever read Pandamus. Her first book didn't launch her into superstardom either, but she persisted in writing anyway. However, on the side, she started writing some steamy romance books, and she wasn't quite sure if she wanted to like go that route. And she certainly wasn't sure if she wanted to come out of the closet with it. But I don't think she overly intended in overall dropping her YA pen name. But when she saw more success with her romance novels, It was hard not to give in to their calling, especially when she did hit New York Times bestselling author with her romance pen name. So if you read in this genre, you might know her as Cassia Leo. So Cassia, I don't know if you've ever listened to podcasts that I do, but if you do, hey girl, holla. (laughs) Okay, so number two, do you focus on backlist marketing? So sometimes our launches don't go super well because we didn't implement a plan in the first place. And let me remind you, this is not Field of Dreams, my friends. We live in a crazy crowded market space, and if we don't have an audience or a marketing plan to back our play, we're going to be met with less than stellar results. It's just the way it is. People who don't know about your book can't buy it, no matter how good it is. So if you didn't plan it out well, think about the ways that you can continue to bring readers to the books you've already finished. Think in terms of what moves the needle forward. Things like special pricing promotions on on Kindle, like Kindle countdown deals or freebies. Newsletter swaps with other authors, paid advertising with low cost per clicks. Pay attention to small tweaks like adjusting your categories or your keywords on Amazon, or even reworking your book blurb on Amazon's sale page. If you want to get fancy, maybe pick a new cover designer and see if a rebrand makes a difference. But here's one caveat. Whatever you do to your backlist, don't do it all at once. Don't spray and pray, my friends. You want to know specifically what worked and what didn't work so that you can be smarter about it next time around. You get me? Okay, so number three, do you keep on trucking? Do you just cut it loose, move on and keep going? Now, this one can really be considered more like 2.5 in my mind, You can keep trucking and focus on your backlist marketing plan at the same time. I should know, it's the one that I usually do. So I don't give 100% of my attention to my backlist, but I do make tweaks monthly to see if I can get my past books more visible. However, I put the majority of my focus into the next thing. So when our combined USA Today list run with Playing With Fire failed last year, sure, I took a few days to lick my wounds, But then I pulled up my big girl panties and I made bigger, better, bolder goals. It's not to say that this one won't flop either, but I don't worry about that until it happens. And instead, I need something to keep myself pushing forward. I'm a storyteller, and if I'm not writing, I am not a happy person. So as much as I want my books to earn their keep, I'm also acutely aware that I need a backlist of books with multiple entry points for readers to find me. So, what do I do? I write my next book, that's what. It's not sexy or magical, but let me tell you a secret. It's got way more power. Now that I've been doing this a while, I realize I actually don't want overnight success. I don't want the pressure of having to live up to the expectations from readers who read a first book, love it to death, and then expect me to perform 100% at that same level. Because sometimes different stories have different. Tones, they'll have different marks, and they will never be the exact same type of book. They'll be close. I mean, I'm still the same person, but I'm evolving, and the things that I like evolve, and the way that I tell stories evolves. I mean, can you imagine that? Think about it for a moment. Are you most creative when you're under that kind of pressure? I'm willing to wager you aren't, and I know a hundred percent that I'm not. So instead, I want to prove to myself that I know what I'm doing so that it can be a repeatable process I can do over and over again. And then guess what? When success comes, and it will, I have the ability to maintain momentum and keep readers happy until the end of my days. I want to be like Sue Grafton, cranking out those novels until my dying breath, because I am my stories. This isn't a quick buck thing for me. It's a creative outlet and a necessity I have to bow to. It's as simple as that. Now, I'm sure you do too. I know you. If you're here and drawn to my podcast and the lessons that I teach, the chances are you are not a snake oil salesman. You want your books to do well because you genuinely believe in them. You love your characters and your stories, and you know the world will too if given the chance. Plus, you write because you can't imagine. Not writing. It physically hurts if you can't get to your current work in progress. I get it. I totally get it. I am a cranky person when I don't get my words in for the day. Just ask my husband. (laughs) So I want you to perk up your ears because you have a gift inside you that 80% of other authors just don't have. You have staying power. You're developing skills, growing your reach, growing your expertise, and honing your craft. The world might not know you yet, but they will. So here's the thing, awesome author. If you've had a launch that hasn't gone well, I want you to take your days to grieve, be down, be disappointed, but then pull up those big guy, big gal panties and evaluate the strength of that launch. Take a good, hard look at it and see what worked and what didn't work so that you know objectively how you can make it better next time. Here are nine evaluations you need to do after every launch. And I promise you, if you do this, it will make you better at launches. Not only are they good metrics to have for comparisons, but they also will help you see how your launches are growing over time. If nothing else, that is a really good feeling. So if you have a pen and paper, grab them so that you can write these down. If you are driving, you're going to want to listen closely so you can burn them into your memory or you know, just come back when you can re-listen and you're near pen and paper. Whatever works. Okay, here we go. Number one, how many books sold in your pre-order? Now, this one is optional. I get it because not everyone uses the pre-order functions, but they do come in handy to build buzz and if nothing else, get your sales links ready to rock and roll. If you plan to have a bigger launch, you want your books up for pre-order because you'll have a longer marketing runway. Plus, how else would you get your book links to bloggers and other authors to swap, right? So it's important. Number two, how many books sold on launch day? Keep track of both the newly released title and any sales made from your backlist. Remember, a new release is always a great entry point for someone new to find you. And oftentimes it will mean that they go into your previous books and buy some of your backlist or start reading through KU. The more books you have, the more opportunities you have for readers to just come into your world and consume what you've already written. Number three, how many books sold during launch week? Again, track both the new release and any additional backlist titles that went out the door. And the reason that week is important is if you ever do decide that you want to do a list run, there will be a week-long push. And so if you can figure out How that week stacks up to any other week as you're trying to push forward, it's going to come in handy for you to know okay, on average, this is how many sales I will get during my launch week. I need to up my game to be able to do X, Y, Z. So that's why that particular metric is important. Number four, how many books sold during your launch month? So finally, track all those books that went out during the month of launch. And that's the newly released title and Any backlist titles. And the reason for this one will be apparent in a moment. But again, track them both new releases and your backlist. If you're in KU, which I would hope that the majority of you are, but if you're not, if you're a wide author, awesome. But if you're in KU, what were your page reads? So page reads can be an elusive thing because authors sometimes forget to count them as sales, but that's what they are. Plus, Amazon doesn't even track them very well with the average cost of sales with their Amazon ads dashboard but they do play a dynamic role in the visibility of your books as well as your royalties. So keep track of the new release and all backlisted titles in KU, specifically during the month of launch. Watch those page reads, maybe separate them so that you can say, okay, this is how many page reads I had for the new title. And this is all the other ones clumped together for my other titles, because you want to separate the new release so that you are able to really evaluate its success. So if you see an uptick in page reads for the older books, but not your new release, it could mean that the launch itself missed its mark. The book gained you visibility, but people weren't interested in the new title or the way that you described the new title perhaps, but they did like your other books. And if you see an uptick in the new release page reads, but not in your backlist, it could mean maybe the story itself fell flat a bit, missed its mark, or maybe a simpler reason, you forgot to add, Your other titles as part of your back matter in your new title. So, always, always, my friends, make sure that you have your also bots in the back end of your book. (laughs) All right. So, number six, how much money did you put into advertising your launch? This one is a little bit touchy because I know most of us, when we start off, we don't have a ton of funds to put into advertising. And if you have a family, With other things, you know, your books are kind of like that supplemental income. It's nice. I totally get it. So when I first launched Pandamus and the Pandamus Chronicles, I was on a tattered shoestring budget, not even a shoestring budget. It was tattered. It was fraying and falling apart. Okay, (laughs) the amount isn't what's important. What is important is that you keep track as your spend increases, you'll see an increase in your book's awareness and in your brand's awareness but not every dollar spent is equal. So it's important to understand if those dollars were successful. And sometimes this is kind of difficult to be able to piece out. It kind of comes down to where you put your money. So if you're using an advertising platform that gives you a cost per click analysis, or any other kind of metric to verify its success, it will help you more than those that don't. So like, if you did a paid newsletter swap, for instance, which do exist, and you didn't get a number of clicks that were given and you can't figure out what the cost per click ultimately became, that's going to be harder for you to know whether or not it was successful unless you were able to track the day their newsletter went out and particularly attribute it to a spike in sales. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, when you have the ability to be able to go back and look at that specific day, and compare. That's where the money really is because now you can figure out, okay, was this successful? Was it not successful? So for instance, going back to my BookBub podcast to show you what my results were, I went through each day-to-day thing and I was able to figure out which of the promos were successful and which ones maybe not so much. So it's important to do that so that you know where to spend your money next time around. If money's not the issue, and you're just looking for visibility and brand exposure, maybe you're just starting out and all you care about is visibility and brand exposure, or maybe you're one of those authors like the Mark Dawson's of the world, the money part of it isn't their issue. It's just that they want to get as much exposure as possible. Then you might want to be tracking your rankings instead. I mean, obviously, the dollar amount is important as well, because you want to still be making money to be able to put more money into your advertising. But maybe you're actually just wanting to see your rankings get as low as possible. And maybe that's what's important. So follow that instead. So number seven, going back to how you figure out if it was successful, you want to ask yourself, what was the overall return on investment, your ROI, with your advertising dollars spent? So assuming earning a living as an author is your goal, you do want to know if you came out ahead or if you lost money on the launch. Now, keep in mind, for list runs and brand new authors establishing themselves, you might take a negative ROI for a couple of books. Don't panic, okay? It's totally normal. But if you're new to ROI, let's make this really simple. Here's what I want you to do. Tally all the royalties you got during the month of launch on all your books. Remember, this is a symbiotic thing. One book will play into the rest of your books and the rest of your royalties, okay? then I want you to tally every dollar spent on advertising the launch. Compare those numbers. Did you spend more money than you made? Now, when you're looking at your advertising dollars, you do have to to break it out into months though. Okay. So if you spent a whole bunch of money in the pre-order phase of your launch that was specifically only for the new title and you're able to break that out, then go ahead and tally all of that up going all the way back to your pre-order. But if you can't, if for some reason all of your books were advertised as a jumble, as you as an author, and you can't piece out specifically that this ad was for your new book, then you're going to want to just just look at the ad spend for the month of launch, okay? Just to make it very simple. Then you compare those two numbers, right? You look at your numbers of how much you spent and how much you earned. And what was the difference? If you determine that you didn't earn enough or that you lost money on the campaign, ask yourself, what was your launch price at? Was it 99 cents? And if so, remember, you only earn 35 cents per book. So if you're spending money on your Amazon ads, for instance, and you're allowing a cost per click of 65 cents, well, you're already losing money because you're only going to earn 35 cents per book. Okay, so you want to have an ad strategy that's sustainable. or would a full price book launch be better for you? Would it make more sense for you to up the price of your next launch and leave it at full price and just see what happens because you earn more money on your advertising dollars? If you did lose money, that's where you want to go back and see which advertising dollars were spent and which ones can be cut for next time around. Because like I said, not all advertising dollars are created equally. Okay, so finally, for number eight and number nine, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number eight, what went well? And number nine, what can be improved for next time? So, what went well? Did you do a good job with your newsletter swaps and Facebook ads? Did you find a new advertising source that panned out really well? Did you get a bookbub deal? Whatever it was that went really well, write it down so that you can make sure that you try to utilize it again. When it comes to the stuff that that can be improved, don't judge yourself or your process. Just take notes so that you can do better. Did you forget to send out ARCs in advance? Did you spend zero dollars on the launch? Whatever it is, take a hard look at it and find a way to improve on it. Trust me, there is always, always an up button. Now, as this episode is coming to a close, if there is one thing I want you to walk away with, it's this: slow and steady. Wins the race. I know it's ironic coming from someone who is touting rapid releasing, but it is a balanced act. Long game, you have to have a lot of books in order to do this really well. In order to have a lot of books, you have to pump them out quickly. But when it comes to having a solid author platform and a solid author brand, slow and steady wins the race. Being a modern author is a long game, my friends. It's not a get rich quick scheme. You can make it easier on yourself through rapid releasing and through writing your books faster and trying to get your marketing done quicker and all of those things. But at the same time, you have to know that it's not an overnight success thing. It just doesn't exist. Even overnight successes are not overnight successes. They are people who have been working at this for a long time and it just so happened that finally something clicked. And it will happen to you too. And it might just be that someone liked the book, gave it to their friends, and they realized that you have a whole back catalog. And if you hadn't had that whole back catalog, there would have been no big day, big break, whatever. So if you want to get rich quick, you are in the wrong market. Maybe become a realtor or a banker or something. But if you want your creative endeavors to live outside of yourself so that you have a legacy that lives on, even once you're gone, keep going. Success will find you, but you have to have the courage to hold fast to your resolve. Don't chase every shiny thing that floats by and definitely don't be pressured by things that are trending just because they're trending. There are plenty of authors who flip from thing to thing, but they waste valuable time because they aren't building a brand when they're doing things that way. So I wrote a blog post a long time ago called Screw Being Relevant, and it still holds true. Because everybody was at the time trying to find, you know, the the thing, the thing that was most relevant. How is my story so relevant that people are gonna want to look at it and read it and whatever? No, screw that. Your stories are trying to come through you for a reason. Trust them and trust the process. All trends, no matter what they are, come back around. And even if your book's genre isn't currently trending, I promise at a certain point it will, and you'll be able to capitalize on it because your books will already be written. Now, just a reminder, we can always continue this discussion online. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. So head over to Author Revolution's Facebook page, or if you're a student, go into our Facebook group. Let's talk about our successes and our frustrations around being authors. We've all been there. So be sure to head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 20 to visit today's show notes as well. And I will make sure that these nine evaluation questions are posted up on there. So next week I want to talk about how to manage all this synergy of writing and releasing books quickly. And I get questions all the time about, you know, when to start an author platform, when to start marketing your books, how to juggle everything that's going on. There's so many different hats. Uh so we're going to go and talk about all the things. And as a side note, I might also have some very exciting news about the rapid release roadmap course. So stay tuned. All right, that's a wrap, my friends. I hope you go on and have an incredible week full of writerly things. Go forth and be awesome. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people. Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, Head over to AuthorRevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorevolution.org forward slash Patreon.